1: At our church, we have people repeat a prayer who want to place their faith in Christ. Jesus did all the hard part. He did everything but pray your prayer.
0: I'm gonna ask you just to pray with me right now.
1: Just say these words with me. You can say those words every day for the rest of your life and die and be separated from God. The scripture does not say that Jesus Christ came to the nation of Israel and said that the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Now
0: who would like to ask me into their hearts? It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Excited? Very, very excited. It's the Wretched Radio mail call, delivery bag, Q&A, infotainment, nationwide extravaganza, featuring your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums, and misses. Any
1: special message for all the
0: kids watching at home? What we need right now is a clear message to the people of this country. You have 1,200 messages. It is a bit above average. Now here's your host, Todd Freakishly Tall Friel.
2: The mail is here! Ooh, this is Wretched Radio, so grateful you Send questions, comments, conundrums, snarks to idea at wretched.org. And I'm excited to dip into the mailbag as we've been doing all week here on Wretched Radio because I have been informed by one handsome Jimmy Hicks that both today and tomorrow's questions, they are very personal. And yet so broad because so many people deal with these issues. If we forget that we are... In the dispensation where Jesus has not returned yet to clean up this massive sin mess once and for all and eradicate it from this planet, you're just going to have a lot of struggles and a lot of pain and a lot of heartache on this side of the veil. Oh, yeah, we've got loads of joy. We have a peace that surpasses all understanding. But the church is filled with people. We are really the island of misfit toys, we're slinky dog. We're we're just not quite what we should be. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of complicated messes that life sometimes just feels like a giant ball of twine that can't be unraveled. And if that describes any aspect of your life, you should be comforted in knowing you ain't alone. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we need each other. That's why we need the local church. And that's why you need to send questions, comments, conundrum, snarks to id at wretched.org, the latter probably the least important on the list. What well, we got, Jimmy?
1: All right, well, we'll start with Anonymous, who uh, who says Todd, after moving out of state and joining a new Bible church, I've mostly found a warm welcome. However, there is one lady in the church (laughs) 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 who seems to be passive-aggressively working at against me. She seems to dislike me uh, all the while pretending to be my friend. Um, I tried addressing it privately with her, but she denies everything and continues on with a smile on her face. So this has led to a lot of sadness and anxiety making me long for my old church. Mm. I just want to move back home, but yeah. my husband wants to stay, and I respect his decision. So can you give me some advice?
2: Yeah, I, I can give you some really big general principles because Acts 9, nine. I think informs us that we need a Barnabas in situations like this. There's going to be conflicts inside of the church. We see it immediately in Acts chapter nine. Paul return, goes to Jerusalem and the church is terrified of the guy who was murdering Christians like a minute ago. And so they don't want him there and he's feeling that outsider-ness. Does that sound familiar to you perhaps? Barnabas engages explains the situation, and then Paul moved freely about the believers. In other words, they were reconciled. They had harmony. You did the right thing by going to this woman. That was the right thing to do, and well done for that. No kidding. If if we just did more of that, far fewer church problems, but it didn't work out. So you need a Barnabas, and you need to be prepared for a possibility. I'm not engaging in your particular dynamic. I'm just saying there are now two possibilities. She has been indeed been passive aggressive. She is doing things that are sinful. You need to be willing to carry the mindset that says, maybe I've got this wrong. No, you're probably persuaded you don't. I get that. That's fine. But you need to be open to the possibility. You weren't able to bring about conflict resolution any more than Paul appeared to be able to do that. Barnabas entered in to reconcile, to explain, to bring about understanding clarity and bring the parties together. The question now is, who's your Barnabas? You have options. And I believe those options should be in this order, my opinion. Number one, get ready, your husband. This is precisely, sir, and I'm not talking to her husband, I'm talking to men in general. This is really when a man needs to step it up. We are indeed Like our forefather, Adam, we have a tendency to just want to, oh, you know, it's probably not that big of a deal. You're probably exaggerating it because, sir, you're busy, you're preoccupied, and you just want peace. That's what we men want. We want want peace. So we're overwilling to look things, even to the detriment of our own wife's happiness. So we need to overcome that. Well, I'll just use the word. It's a bit lazy we've all got it, gentlemen, and you need to step in. Now, how do you step in? Not like a bull. Hey, lady, quit messing with my wife. No, you need to enter in like Barnabas. And that would be a strategic move. Now, how might I do that? If, If I were walking in this man's shoes, my inclination would not be to go directly to the woman alone. My inclination would be This is is probably going to sound puritanical, patriarchal, or any other P word that makes it sound sexist and old and misogynistic. I'd probably talk to her husband and say, hey, it looks like our wives. There, There seems to be a conflict going on. I know that they've tried to work it out. Perhaps the four of us could get together and sort through it. Oh, I suspect if everybody goes in with the right heart, you will come out of this. You might have a new bestie. That that happens so often. The person with whom you have conflict. In fact, I was just talking to a buddy. <laughs> His granddaughter was being bullied at school. The school, in order to fix it, what did he do? They do. They gave him a pro- the bully and the bully e a project to do together. Now they're they're thick as thieves. You can't separate them. That regularly happens. Not just with children overcoming a conflict, resolving a conflict. It has a tendency to strengthen and build a bond, which is why if you've got a conflict in your marriage with your kids' relationships, don't flee from it. Become a peacemaker. A helpful book, by the way, Ken Sandy's Peacemaker. It's available at wretched.org to bring about a reconciliation that is going to be more profound. This is like when if you're married, you get this. You and your, your, your spouse have a tussle you finally hopefully sooner than later work through it together how sweet is it when that reconciliation takes place you might even have a romantic dinner that's that's what it does it just it strengthens it's like a it's 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 like a wound that heals stronger than the original skin so i would encourage you get peacemaker helpful for all of us Meet with a couple and try to bring about reconciliation. Should he not be willing to do that? I, I would lovingly encourage him, honey. This is the I need your spiritual leadership right now. I, I I'm very unhappy about this. And I and I want to be here and I, and I and I want to be thriving with you. I want to support you, but right now I need your support. If you can't get that, then your second Barnabas would be your elders. and but, but go to them, not because she needs a good scolding, but because you genuinely want reconciliation. And if you can accomplish that, no matter who your Barnabas is, I think that you will find some peace and you will find some happiness and maybe just maybe an increasing contentment with your new Zip code, Jimmy, you got anything to add to that?
1: Uh yeah, I think so. Um uh, just one thing. Um, and I think this is something that we have a tendency to forget uh with situations like this. But I would say to the lady also to remember that um, uh there there are no coincidences. It it's always providence with God. And so he's always molding us into the image of his son, and even with difficult situations right. like this. And right. so there's a reason God's allowed it, and I would say that um, look for that. She would miss a really big opportunity in her life if she did not look for maybe possible growth and change in her own life.
2: No, that yeah, that's that's a great. I'm sorry, just <laughs> it hurts. You know how much is oxygen? You know, those little <laughs> tanks where you can mask up <laughs> when the when the plane is plummeting? Because <laughs> I could use some of that right now. Uh, that that is that is a great word. That God is using everything mm-hmm. if we just realize. He's always up to something. He's always working on us. He's always sculpting and molding. And don't don't waste your cancer comes to mind. Mm-hmm. That if you waste what God is doing even with a really nasty diagnosis, now it doesn't mean that there aren't practical issues in dealing with it, etc. But God doesn't let things happen. He ordains everything to happen including annoying women at church. Now, what that reason is, you have to be introspective. You have to ask the Lord for wisdom. You could also ask some of those people with whom you have a good relationship at church. Now, what do you think the Lord might be doing in this situation without turning it into a gossip fest, which by the way, just might be just another word up. Uh, Be careful that you don't talk to all of the other women about this woman, because that could quickly become a gossip fest. Don't overlook what the Lord is doing and get a Barnabas. This is Wretched Radio. Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe, but now they've expanded to Africa Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched, tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched.
1: Are you tired of the endless scrolling and mindless internet browsing? Well you can absolutely break free from the digital realm and enter the Bible Zone. This month we invite you to unlock the power of the scriptures with our exclusive Bible Zone Bundle. With the Bible Zone Bundle, not only will you learn to read your Bible better, but you'll also desire to read it more. This $100 value is available all month long for only $39.99. Buckle up and get ready to enter the Bible Zone by picking up the Bible Zone Bundle, including Herman who It's Not Greek to Me, Drive-By Theology, Jesus Unmasked, plus all four study guides to go along with the resources, all for $39.99, but only during the month of August. Visit wretched.org slash Bible Zone right now to place your order, but hurry up before time runs
2: out. We can trust this ministry, Christians paying for the health needs of other Christians. It's a magnificent ministry. 98% member satisfaction rate. It's amazing. The average family saves $500 per month. If that sounds intriguing, and I hope it does, please... Do your research. Visit Medishare.com slash wretched Medashare.com slash wretched or call them and talk to a really nice person at 84434 Bible. eight four four three four Bible 84434 Bible. Know
0: your reformers. John Calvin was a French pastor, an author of the Institutes of the Christian religion. His writings and ministry made Geneva, Switzerland, a hotbed of Reformed theology. His institutes are still guiding documents for Reformed churches across the globe. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel.
2: All week long. Like it or not, apparently, this is Wretched Radio. Normally, we wait until the end of the week to receive questions, comments, conundrums, snarks. But I gotta tell you, your questions. Are very representative of a lot of people. So it is our hope that by dipping into the mailbag all week long, perhaps just maybe we might stumble into a situation that feels. Oh, so familiar. Keep them coming. Idea at wretched.org.
1: Okay. Our next question comes from Richard, who says, Todd, how can I interact with a family member in a loving way while managing our differences over the King James version? Uh They constantly bring up the topic and it's starting to strain our relationship.
2: Yeah. Once again, I got to tell you, Ken Sandy's Peacemaker, it is so profoundly helpful. It's on my nightstand right now. I'm just going to. It's a lot. And it is all so applicable and so helpful. You've got a family member and you've got yourself a disagreement on something that is, well, like really biblical, (laughs) which translation is the best. This gets into textual criticism. If you go to YouTube or to wretched.org, we've done a number of videos on the subject, which translation is best, the difference between the textus receptus, the eclectic texts. How do we know we've got the right translation? You can find that on the YouTube machine or at wretched.org. What would I do in this particular situation? I don't think I would. It's not worth it. It's just not worth it. And look, it, it's an important subject, especially for people who are big fans of the King James Version only. They, they feel very passionate about it because they believe that we've taken some verses out of the Bible. Now, the folks who would say the ESV, the, um, and even the NIV, the NASB, which comes from a more eclectic text set than the Textus Receptus would say, no, we haven't taken them out. They shouldn't have been in there in the first place. You're very unlikely to persuade that person. It's just going to be a fight. And I would suggest if he brings it up, just go, that's, you know, something to think about and move on.org, because it's just not worth fracturing a relationship. Furthermore, I honestly, I just, I, I wouldn't even say it's a hill that I would want to die. It's, I don't even think it's a hill. It's the, the the King James Version only. Do I believe that the Textus Receptus is the best? I do not. Is the King James Version horrible? Of course it's not. It's magnificent, frankly. So I wouldn't even see it as a hill. I would maintain the relationship. And talk about other things that are Christ-centered, because those will grow your relationship as opposed to just totally fracturing it. Because if you pursue this conversation, um, most likely that is what will happen. Idea at Wretched.org. All
1: right. This next question comes from Destin, who says, Todd, when reading the word, I notice it sometimes calls for emotional responses like remorse over sin or joy in salvation. But feelings like these don't always come easily for me. Should I be forcing these emotions, or is this just a misunderstanding or a sign of immaturity in my
2: walk with Christ? Now, here, my, here now, with the, without a ton of details and being able to dive into the person's heart and mind, we're going to have to work with what we've got. Jimmy, in the beginning, you said— The Bible, it calls for a response, but I find this difficult to do. What was the exact phrasing?
1: Uh, She says that uh, when reading the word, I notice it calls for emotional
2: responses
1: like remorse over sin or joy in salvation. But these feelings don't always come
2: easily for me. Okay, boom. These feelings don't always come. Okay, so some question would be, is that always the case? Or is that just the case with the Bible? Can you watch a video of a dog being rescued and be moved. Or is that a struggle too? It might just be a personality issue. And I wouldn't go about the business of beating myself up if it's consistent. Now, let's just say, no, it's really just the Bible where I tend to struggle with that. There's so many angles to this, starting with how young or old are you in the faith? Because your emotional responses, they are going to differ. We've talked about this many times before, that when we first get saved, what did did David pray for? His repentance Psalm 51, after the whole Bathsheba mess, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Furthermore, the seven churches written to in the book of Revelation, in Revelation 1 through 3, it 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 applauds the church in ephesus for being defenders of the faith but you've lost your first love so we should be striving to grow in our joy and our love but we need to note it is going to look different as the years progress it just just like your marriage it's going to change it's going to become deeper more profound and only when you probably spend time thinking about your spouse, will you get a buzzed feeling? Now, just just go with me on this one for a moment. Let's just say you've been married 20 years, and the initial heady buzz from the immediate marriage romance mojo that we get, it's not there. But you know, you, you love that woman. You love that man way more profoundly than you ever did. And I will just bet, even though you maybe don't get any sort of giddy emotion from that, if you just stopped and and, and thought about your spouse, it's so funny, I did this the other day. My wife wasn't looking. No, I wasn't being a creeper, it was my wife. And I just started, I was just looking at her, just looking at her, and I started to think about all of the things that the Lord has brought us through together. And I started to think about having children with this woman and that this woman, this woman actually committed to spending the rest of her life with pathetic me. And guess what happened? Got some warm feelings from that. Now, Argument from anecdote or lesson from anecdote, but I, I I think it's a direct translation into our emotional response to God. If you just read his word and go, Why, why don't I get zippity doodah from that anymore? It's because it's not brand new to you anymore. Just like a car, you get used to it. The same thing is true with our relationship with the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean we can neglect it, but it does mean that you need to take the time to do what the Bible actually says we're supposed to be doing and for good reason. Meditate on the word. That's what I was doing with Mrs. Friel. I was meditating on her. And it, wow, wow. Wow, Lord, you have been so good to me to give me this woman. Amazing. Do that with the Lord. Think about what his word says. Slow your reading roll. Meditate, ponder, consider it. I'm working on a sermon right now. I get to be in St. Paul. And I got to tell you something, St. Paul. You better be looking better this time. Because last time I visited my hometown, downtown St. Paul was looking a little bit, um, let's just say, neglected. Who's the mayor of St. Paul and why are they not keeping our lovely city tidy and vibrant and beautiful like it once was? Going to preach a sermon on the subject of God's love. How do you appreciate it more? You've heard it, for God so loved the world. You got to stop. You got to think about it. You got to meditate on it. You've got to literally engage your brain in active thinking. What are the implications of this? Okay, so I'm not sure I'm going to use this illustration because I just thought of it. But imagine God's love is the size of the earth, which, by the way, is one of the his love fills the earth. So let's just say it's that big. And you, like Atlas, have to have that love on your shoulder. Boink. How would you go? Well, I would just be utterly overwhelmed. Bingo. Think about that. Think about it. Just spend God's love is that big. And he aims it at me. God's love is that expansive. And he gives it to me and i'm going to spend eternity starting now experiencing that love why would he do, why would he do this for me i can only conclude he's an amazing god if you're not feeling like perhaps you once did or if emotions come hard in the territory of bible reading meditate think and might i suggest go find preachers who move knowledge from the head to the heart. There are many who don't. There are many who do. You got to find those guys. They're intentional about this. And by the way, pastor, been thinking about this. If if that doesn't describe you, that your desire isn't that your sheep would, would, would know the love of God more, might it possibly be that you haven't been focusing on that? And the reason that you're not effusive about that is because you're not as effusive about the love of God as you should be. Because when you are striving to know the love of God more, it's going to come right out of your pores and it's going to come right out of the pulpit. Find a guy who preaches like that. This is Wretched Radio.
1: And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. We start with a story that we've already kind of talked about a little bit, but there's a few more details now available. Talking about the Target lawsuit, which the store has found itself in the crosshairs of America's first legal, which is spearheaded by a former Trump White House advisor, is suing Target over profit losses, all stemming from the backlash from its Pride campaign. The lawsuit alleges that Target withheld information regarding risks with its diversity policies, which subsequently led to a staggering 20% drop in its stock prices. Yeah, that wasn't the kind of bullseye Target was aiming for, but that's the one they got. On to Hollywood, where Disney is being sued by film financer TSG. Allegations of deliberately withholding millions of dollars through shady accounting practices are at the core of the lawsuit. TSG claims that Disney's alleged collapse of film distribution windows has negatively affected potential revenue. Disney CEO Bob Iger is mentioned in the allegations with the lawsuit detailing a minimum earnings reduction of $54.5 million. Disney has yet to comment on the lawsuit. Now to Virginia, Goochland County, Virginia, that is, where school board member Angela Allen has filed a lawsuit herself against her fellow school board members. She's suing over being censored following a Facebook post about transgender bathroom policies. She's accusing her colleagues of defamation and civil conspiracy because she was just trying to represent those who elected her. Speaking of legal affairs, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals has ruled that the chemical abortion drug Macristone should not be distributed through mail services or prescribed via telemedicine. The ruling now heads to the Supreme Court for further review. And now a trip across the pond to Scotland, where a comedy festival has been canceled due to controversial beliefs expressed by one of the comedians. Graham Linehan is the comedian and co-creator of Father Ted. He's asserted that transformation from man to woman or vice versa is impossible. (laughs) That's not a joke. That's a fact. But it seems like the festival's venue did not like that comment. They wanted him to stick to jokes rather than truth. And Linehan, in a response that might be more fitting for a drama festival, took to social media and expressed his deep disappointment and defended his views. Comedy's comedy, and truth is truth. And when the guy wants to tell the truth, he should be able to. And that's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio, straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks.
0: Important Dates in Christian History 1727, a spiritual awakening at Hernhut, Germany, launches the Moravian Brethren as the forerunner of modern Protestant missionary movements. This 300 member group sent missionaries to Asia, Africa, North and South America, and the Arctic. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel.
2: Not going to say I told you so, but I did inform you of the information that I told you was accurate. But I'm not going to say I told you so. <laughs> no. That wouldn't be wouldn't be Christian. <laughs> this is Wretched Radio, your situation. It has commonality with many other people's situation. It would be a mega prideful person who would go, oh, I want my challenge to be uniquely mine. Well, good news, it's its not. If you're struggling with something, there's probably somebody in your church who is either going through or has been through that struggle. And that's a good thing because then we can talk to one another about how they've made it through the rain, how they dealt with the same struggle and receive wisdom from them or help one another to get through the situation and know, okay, I'm not weird. I, I, I can bring this up in Bible study or in small group because chances are really good somebody else is going through this. Your struggle, your pain, it's probably not unique. And that's a good thing that you can find sympathetic and empathetic ears in the context of your local church and know you're not flaky, you're not weird because you're really not the only one who is likely going through what it is that you are dealing with? That's good news. Idea at wretched Okay, this
1: uh, this question comes from Addie. Todd, I've been struggling with chronic pain and
2: Lyme disease for the last eight years. Jimmy, can I just interrupt you? Yes. I need to tell you what Addie needs to do. I saw a YouTube video. There's a doctor who deals with this. And if she starts a prescription of vitamin regimen, it's going to get her over the Lyme disease. Let's move on to the next question. (laughs) No, that wasn't her question. But see, that tends to be the way many of us, myself included, Response: we hear somebody shares their burden mm-hmm. and we want to fix it. Yeah. That has its place, but it's probably not the ideal immediate response. She's been dealing with Lyme disease for uh, how long? The last eight years. Oh, man. She
1: says it's uh, led her to question Psalm 8411, which says, uh, no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And as I've had to give up many good things, uh, like being with friends, volunteering at a nearby ministry, participating in church events, how am I able to reconcile this verse with my situation?
2: I'm sorry, Addie. I can't even imagine. Uh, please note that my response, I'm not trying to just sound technical, clinical, or just strictly theological. Uh, I, I don't think most of us can imagine how challenging it would be to live through what you are going through so Props to you for continuing your walk with the Lord. Please accept my explanation, my harmonizing of the psalm promise that God doesn't withhold good gifts, but he appears to be doing that very thing. How do I sort this? Well, this is where... um, you have to be introspective because there's a number of options here. Starting with, we need to understand a Protestant reformer principle called the analogy of scripture. The Bible interprets the Bible. If you read the preamble to the book of Proverbs, you will see that these are general promises contained in these 31 chapters, but they are not quid pro quo. You do this, that's definitely gonna happen. Why? Well, because first of all, the Proverbs tell us these are generally good, generally Life will go well if you follow God's precepts, but mm, God might be doing other things. And that's another consideration. What is God doing in this? How is he working? How is he moving? You have to ask the question, what area is he trying to grow in my life? Because he is. Now, by the way, that doesn't mean that if you pinpoint what it is that God is seeking to do through your challenge, that your Lyme's disease would go away. It could. It could but God is definitely doing something in it. He is always working in it. And so we do see a promise that generally God doesn't withhold these good gifts. Now, there are some promises. They are crystal clear. They are unbreakable, unviolatable. This is always going to have You come unto Jesus, he will not cast you out. No exceptions, no other scripture to be that's just done. But the promises of the Psalms and the Proverbs are general precepts and principles. As we go read other books of the Bible, we see, for instance, that God, Hebrews, Bob tells us that he's a father who lovingly disciples disciplines us even with difficult things okay so he might be doing that or we know that god is working out really big things and so for instance we read a story about a man named job he was an up- he was an upright man and yet look at the calamity he went through god was providentially ordaining he was the ultimate cause he was not the proximate or the efficient cause but he was the ultimate cause of his calamity because he let the devil go do what the devil do. So the devil was the proximate cause. He was he was then even the efficient cause as he killed his family, livestock, took it all away, debilitated the man. And he was walking uprightly. What do we learn from this? In general, God doesn't withhold his good gifts to his children. But we know that he's working out bigger things and, and, as hard as it is, and I don't mean to sound less than empathetic toward you, Eddie, uh, they're they're bigger, they're they're bigger, hang in there for this, I don't want this to sound cold, but there's bigger things than our maladies going on. And when God prescribes those difficulties for us, he's doing something bigger and he's letting us participate in that. And you can be assured it will have an eternal consequence and value attached to it. Don't ever think that God is not aware of your situation, doing something in it. And he's letting us participate in glorifying him, simultaneously growing us because he wants better, get ready for this, better things for us than good health. I know that is hard. But that's, that's his desire. He wants us to experience things, to know him, to lean on him. There's another level, another consideration, and that is, is there a sin issue in your life that God is trying to bring to your attention and he's using something difficult? Now, it could be health. It could just be a difficulty, a loss of finances. He he, he Hello, I gave you my word. You should be dealing with this and you're not. Let me just grab you by the ear for a bit and get your attention on this. Those are all of the things that God could be doing in this. And finally, I would say this. God doesn't withhold good gifts. You can know. I'm not saying this is simple or easy, but you can know your physical challenge. It is the good thing. Ugh. Ugh. I'm dealing right now with two spider bites. Okay. I don't think I'm dying, but no. (laughs) Uh, Okay, that doesn't even come close to what Addy is going through. So wow to Addy for, seriously, for persevering, walking with the Lord for 80 years. That's absolutely amazing. So I don't want to be glib in saying this because I whine like crazy about putting band-aids on my owies in the morning. But apparently God wanted me to have two spider bites or I wouldn't have those spider bites. So forgive me if it sounds rather glib, but your difficult health issue is God's good thing. You maybe didn't ask for it, but he knows that's the best thing for you. And might I just finally say this, prepare yourself for your Lyme disease. Prepare yourself for your prodigal child, for your stock market crash. Get your doctrine of sovereignty in place before you have to apply it. It is much easier to do that than to scramble and be tossed about in the winds of what is going on in the midst of my malady. Addie, I hope the Lord heals you. I suspect there'll be a number of us praying for you. Yeah. Uh, Can I add to that? Please.
1: (laughs) So I agree with everything that you just said. You absolutely hit the nail on the head. I think uh, when you uh, when you said uh, for her to be looking at how God may be changing and working in her life. Um, And Addie said she was struggling with, um, you know, him feeling like God's withholding good things. Um, And I think if you look at that, it seems like he's withholding good things. But the things that he may be bringing in and changing are, are better, are, are better things. And, you know, I'd say, you know, you know, I was diagnosed with MS, what, three years ago now, nearly three years ago. And man, my life is drastically different today than it was then. Are
2: you drastically different? I am. I am. All I, right, what and, So what's changed so, in three years?
1: So there are things that I used to love doing that I'm, I, I don't do anymore. I can't do anymore. But there are now things that uh, I, I have to do that have made my life better. I mean, like the thinking issues, you know, all about that I deal with, um, that closed me, that caused me to close my mouth for quite a long Ah, time, which led me to being more graceful than I used to be. But even bigger than that, um, things that I used to do after work, like the hobbies that I had, my time was constantly full from the time I left work until I went to bed at night now i don't do those things and i spend a whole lot more time with my family yeah which have made us all w-
2: extremely closer yeah yeah that's now there's there this is why testimonies and fellowship is so edifying and so beneficial the local church this is wretched radio sorry to ask you to do some arithmetic but this is some math that will encourage you and make you very very happy this is one testimony of a mother who chose life because she saw her own baby courtesy of an ultrasound from At preborn centers. Would you please help us grow that number by providing as many ultrasounds as possible at preborn dot org slash wretched preborn dot org slash wretched.
1: Thank you so much for listening to Wretched Radio today. Your ears, your attention, your time mean the world to us. But have you ever considered becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner? Now, I'm not talking about subscribing to a magazine or anything like that, but I'm talking about a subscription to a mission, a shared goal to reach millions of people all over the world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our mission and our goal here at Gospel Partners Media has never changed since day one. We exist to preach the gospel, to equip others to preach the gospel and to strengthen the local church and your partnerships more than just keeping the lights on around here. It's about taking the light, the light, and shining it into a dark world. We need your help to do that. wrenchet.org slash donate is where you can find answers to any question you may ever possibly have on what it looks like to become an ongoing monthly gospel partner. Again, that's Wretched.org slash donate
2: John MacArthur Study Bibles to Christians who cannot afford them in a local Bible teaching church. Can you imagine the impact? How much do you love your MacArthur Study Bible? For $25, you could put a Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines. I'll do the math. It's not tricky. Four Bibles, $100. Maybe you could commit to giving a Bible a month to a believer in the Philippines. Please visit wretched.org Bible, wretched.org Bible to join the master's academy international books of the bible
0: ephesians was written by paul to the churches around ephesus it is about who christians are and how they live when we are in christ we are made alive reconciled to god and united with other believers in the church If you are struggling in your walk with Christ, perhaps it is time to revisit what Christ has done for you and who you are in Him. This is Wretched Radio
2: with Todd Friel. Not exactly making great time, but I do believe it is worth the journey. This is Wretched Radio. Your issues are others' issues. Perhaps you'll hear your issue as we listen to issues sent to idea at wretched.org. All right,
1: this one is from Anonymous. Uh, Todd, I have been married for 11 years, and I do admit I have not been uh, a loving wife. God recently awaking me to my marriage and my spiritual life, but unfortunately, two months ago, my husband cheated on me, but I have forgiven him. Now we're in biblical counseling. Excellent. Despite this, I find myself struggling to trust him, especially since he's very social with women, insisting these friendships mean nothing. Considering my new commitment to my marriage and my love for my husband, how do I trust him without questioning everything he does, especially after the
2: infidelity? Mm, Two big thoughts for your consideration. Number one, trust is a different issue than forgiveness. Forgiveness, it should come to us quickly, and if it doesn't, then we need to strive to forgive and certainly have a heart that is willing to forgive, whether the individual repents or not. We are the forgiving people because we are the forgiven people. Hey, that will text the tweet (laughs) right there, what you got, Pithily. So don't confuse forgiveness, though, with trusting somebody. That needs to be regained. I do think Greg Gifford was talking about this in uh, Conflict Resolution in his Transform podcast. Please, you'll be blessed to pieces by Dr. Greg Gifford's Transform podcast. He needs to earn it back. And there's nothing wrong with lovingly. In fact, it's wise to communicate this. Honey, I want you to know I've forgiven you. And I'm not going to bring this up. I'm not going to toss it into your face. I'm, I'm not going to say, there you go again, because I've forgiven you for this. I just want you to know, though, it's it's going to be a bit until I can fully feel like I can trust you. Please don't think that I haven't forgiven you because I have, but it's it's going to take me a bit. So I'm going to ask you in advance to be patient with me and just to let you know, and this is a harsh word potentially to use, but it's it's going to have to be regained. Now, if he's contrite, no problemo. It will be a tell if he starts fighting. What do you mean you're not going to trust me right away? What's the matter? You see, you never trust me. Oh, boy. Uh, that's an individual who is in 2 Corinthians 7 repentant. He should be willing to do the things necessary and understand that it's going to take time to earn trust back. Number two. Husband and women, what should your interactions with women who are not your spouse be? If I had to pick one word, very guarded. I know that was two words, but guarded just didn't seem strong enough. You need to be mindful. Now, that doesn't mean that women are having thoughts. It means that you want to make sure that you are communicating clearly to your wife. You are my number one gal. You're it. I'm not interested. You don't need to worry about me chasing after another woman because I am fully content with you. And a man, it doesn't mean that a woman in the hallway at church says, oh, hey, I was meaning to ask you, can't talk to you. And you just run up. Not saying that, but you need to be thinking. You need to be aware. How long are you engaging with somebody in communication? Do, should you be talking to that woman? Ask your heart, hey, am I entertaining something here? And even if you're not, is this wise in this context to be doing this? Now, how do you know that? And the answer is very simple. Your wife will tell you. And if she is uncomfortable with the way that you interact with women, you should sit down with her and say, with a piece of paper and a pen, tell me exactly What's your concern is? What do I do? Body language? How long I talk to the person? Do I seem a little flirtatious? What? Tell me. I need to know this. We need to be guarded. We don't want to become sexist or ridiculously prudish, but a Christian man and a Christian woman, but we're just talking to the husband right now, he needs to be very guarded and very thoughtful you don't want to do anything that would cause your wife to go, Ah, I don't know that my position is secure here. Now, if, if currently, sir, you're inclined to talk to women because she isn't your number one gal, right now, you should start repenting right now. You need to stop that with those women and you need to go figure out what the issue is the responsibility, the onus is on you. You say, you don't know how terrible she is. Oh, I get that. And in fact, I'm just watching a video series right now that was just sent to me. This was, It's its really good, a biblical counselor. There can be some women, and there can be men who are jerks, but there can be some women, oof, hoofda. I got it. I understand. And I'm not saying you're guilty and she's innocent, but I am saying that the dynamic of the marriage is your responsibility, as bad as she might be. And there are some women who are shrews. There are men who are massive jerks. Regardless, sir, the culture of your house, how your garden grows depends on the farmer, depends on the gardener. It depends on the husband men. So you need to dive in and probably do the hardest work you will ever do as a man. Figure out what the problem is. Figure out how you can nurture even a shrewish woman because that's what we're called to. And that's what spiritual leadership is. That's what it means. You got to dive into the hard stuff. We want peace. I think we were just talking about this moments ago. We, we want peace. We are Adam. Let her do the talking. Let her do the leading. I just want to watch the Masters Golf Tournament in peace here. And we will let all kinds of stains accumulate on the carpet of our family's life. And one day, you're going to need that carpet removed. Do it now. Get on it. Dive in. Get out of the lazy boy. Stop playing golf. Stop doing the activities. Dive in. This is your big work. You want to be a man. This is it. It, it, there's, There's so many aspects of being manly. This is one that tends to be overlooked. You go hunt boar if you want to. That's that's a typically masculine behavior and activity. But that is nothing compared to a man who literally humbles himself, jumps in, and fixes what's broken. That is the big work of a man. So, madam, let him regain your trust, communicate it lovingly tell him where you're at, encourage him. You know what? I noticed that you stopped that conversation. Thank you for doing that. That really, it makes me feel, but so encourage him along the way. And sir, you, you, you got to sit down and you got to ask her, what am I doing that would cause you to think I'm being flirtatious with another woman? Cause that's the last thing I want. And I'm glad that you are in counseling, biblical, counseling. Idea at wretched.org.
1: You got more. Well, just speaking of that, uh, you mentioned uh, Dr. Gifford's podcast. Um, This week, he's starting a series on uh, bitterness. And uh, I, I, he touches on this very topic uh, as far as uh, keeping records of wrongdoing.
2: And Sounds and like, but I'm going to take the woman's word. She right. said she's forgiven him.
1: No, 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 I get it. I get it. But I, it's just so, it's so helpful.
2: Yeah, uh, it, it, it. Okay. So that was kind of like word association, right. not a critique of the woman. Right, 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 right. Yeah, uh, it, it's, it's, the bitter, uh, the bitterness one is really good. For some reason, I couldn't get my, my, what, what is it? Spotify. The, I pushed the button and I pushed the button. And it didn't work. And it's driving me nuts because I don't want to get a week behind. I'm I'm not kidding you. His podcast, It Is That Good, Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford. Idea at wretched.org. If you're done with your word association, (laughs) which is an awful thing to do, Jimmy. (laughs) I'm
1: sorry. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Okay. This next question comes from Ty. Todd, do you have any advice for young men just entering college, whether it's spiritual, social, academic?
2: (laughs) Not the latter. (laughs) <laughs> Not the academic. You've come to the wrong party. But regarding spiritual, this would be this is this is my encouragement to anybody who is going to university. I don't care if you're a freshman or a senior. Join a local church near the campus and participate in the life of that church. That in my opinion Probably the single wisest thing that you can do. Why? Because you need accountability and you need to have the resetting of church. You're going to get bombarded all week long. I don't care what institution you're a part of. You are going to get hammered for six days and 23 hours by a secular worldview. And you need to reset. Furthermore, you need accountability. You need adults going, where were you? checking on you sunday afternoon we didn't see you in church this morning because the temptations at university woo i think it falls underneath my my favorite university term they just need to experience The college experience. Mm, No, they don't, actually, because that experience usually leads to a lot of regrets. More than a few. Join a local church, even if it means joint membership with your church at home. Join a local church. Second, find a group of people who genuinely love the Lord. Get together regularly. Let that be your circle of friends. Oh sure, you can meet other acquaintances, but let let that be your posse. Let that be your core, so that you can help one another, encourage one another, spur one another on, rebuke one another. Furthermore, you must have a disciplined regimen for the spiritual growth that God has offered to us that will keep us from stumbling. Reading your Bible, praying, going to church, communion, do those things prepare them in advance and you'll be far less inclined to have regrets and until tomorrow go serve your king